0: Tools for Living, Room to Grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to the Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 12. Well, you guys, I gotta confess, I'm a little giddy. After spending so much time writing about Mary and Martha from the Bible, I'm really excited to talk to Katie M. Reed about her book, Made Like Martha good news for women who get things done. You know, if you've ever felt like being a strong, capable woman is somehow wrong, or that you'll never enjoy the sweet intimacy with God other women seem to enjoy, you're going to love this conversation as Katie and I geek out about all things Martha, but especially about God's amazing and audacious grace. Oh, and by the way, don't miss out on our special contest. I'll tell you more at the end of this show. It's so great to have with me today the author of Made Like Martha, A Woman After My Own Heart, Katie Reed. Welcome to The Living Room, Katie.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Joanna. This is a real treat.
0: I am so excited. I I have just loved your book, Good News for the Woman Who Gets Things Done. That is, that's so fun. I, you know, I, you and I talked a little bit before the um, interview and I shared that I really am a Martha uh, down deep there with a very much of a merry heart, but I am a Martha through and through. And so this book is so great because honestly, and I found this as I was writing about Mary and Martha, Martha kind of gets a bum rap in the whole thing. Um, and so, and yet at the same time, I feel like, We see more uh, of a woman that is becoming what God wants her to be in the story of Martha than maybe even in the story of Mary.
1: What do you think about that? Well, yeah, you know, I have always related to Martha. And so in the Luke 10, 38 through 42 passage, I really wanted things to go differently. I really wanted (laughs) Jesus to say, yes, Mary, get up and go help your sister. But that is not what happened. But I always wanted the story to go differently. And so I wanted to take a closer look at Martha because I just am like, there's got to be more here because if, you know, if she's in as much trouble as we think she is, I'm in trouble because I sure relate to her. And so it was so fun to take a closer look and see what God maybe was saying and not saying to her that maybe we've taken out of context over the years totally agree totally agree uh, that was really kind
0: of my story too you know i always i've always said that you know there was there's several alternate endings that i could suggest to the story <laughs> you know like hey guys let's all go and help martha that would be awesome or there was this perfect opportunity to institute the 11th commandment thou shalt not cook and that worked for me as well
1: that's right <laughs> uh,
0: So tell us, what what did you learn? What were some of the things that came out of this study on Martha?
1: Well, one thing I think that was one of the big breakthroughs is when I realized that Jesus wasn't asking Martha to be Mary. You know, Mary had chosen the good thing, the right thing. But I think I took that to mean there must be something wrong with being a woman that gets things done, or there must be something not as honorable uh, with serving as sitting, you know? And so I started taking a closer look. And then I realized, you know, yes, Jesus was correcting Martha in this one instance, but he wasn't criticizing the totality of who she was. And that was this Mm. big aha of like, yes, she had something to work on. And I think lots of people that are made like Martha are often really hard on themselves, you know, and so to realize when you get corrected, sometimes that can be my jump. Oh, well, I'm just awful, (laughs) you know, instead of going, okay, this is one area that I need to work on. And then I think about verses like the Lord disciplines those he loves. And we see in John, I think it's 11:5 that it says Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus. So because he loved her, he pointed out something that she needed to work on. And the reason I believe he was doing that is because it was for her good. He doesn't want us to live in this frenzied, worried state because he loves us, not because he's trying to get us to just, you know, sit and not do anything.
0: Oh my goodness. You are so right. I think that was the thing that spoke most to me um, was that Joanna, listen, God isn't interested in stereotypes. We deal in stereotypes, uh, but God doesn't. And he wasn't rejecting Martha. He was just inviting her to something sweet. And and I think that's what's so life-giving about this story, is that he loved her enough to challenge her at her weak place, because... As women who get things done, and oh my goodness, I can get so in that woman on a mission mode that I miss out on just the fact that I can belong to Jesus, I don't have to perform for
1: Jesus. Do you ever struggle with that? Oh, a (laughs) hundred percent. Yes, and you know, when I was little I used to love to go in our living room and there was this light on top of our piano and I would turn all the lights off except that light and I would tip it up to the ceiling. So it was like a spotlight cascading from heaven. And I would have my black leotard on and I would perform sometimes for real audiences, sometimes for imagined, you know, there on the couch and I would just twirl and sing and dance. So I've, I've always actually been a performer type, um, and I think part of that God designed. You know, He knew that I would be standing on stages later on in life, but it was this sneaky kind of shift that went from something I loved and something I enjoyed to something that the enemy used to entwine itself to my relationship with the Lord. And it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, I knew I asked Jesus in my heart when I was like four years old. But then I lived as if it was all up to me to keep God happy. And so I would wear myself out, you know, trying to be worthy, trying to be enough, trying to perform for him, try to, you know, keep him, you know, happy, because I pictured kind of this tyrannical master. And You know, it was, I kept trying to change, but I couldn't do it on my own accord. And it was interesting because God gave me this breakthrough and I laughed because it was nothing I did. It was just this gift He gave me. And He revealed to me that grace is a gift to be received, it's not this prize to earn. And I know that sounds kind of maybe elementary to some, but for me, as it was, I was about 40 years old at the time. It was this breakthrough of, oh my goodness, because I think as a Martha, it's hard to just receive because we're usually the ones doing and helping and getting things done. But to just receive with no strings attached can be quite a challenge.
0: Oh, I totally agree. In fact, that's really my story as well. You know, uh, loving Jesus with all of my heart, but believing that somehow I had to earn His favor. I, you talk about a little bit about your grace awakening—that probably is my term. I, you know, I think more women than we know really have not gotten to that place yet. Um, they're still secretly afraid that. Um, that maybe they're not enough. They can tell other people that Jesus loves them, but they're not fully convinced themselves. Would you take us into that moment, inside that moment, and and that aha that has changed everything for you?
1: Well, yes, I'd love to. I was talking to my friend and author, Jamie Amring. She wrote the book, Stolen Jesus. And she was in the midst of writing her book and she kept talking to me about grace, which again, as a... Girl growing up in the church, I was familiar with the term, but the way she was talking about it was really different than what had made sense to me in the past. And so as we were talking on the phone, In my mind's eye, this scene unfolded. And there I was. I love that your podcast is called The Living Room because there I was in our living room (laughs) in our A frame home with orange shag carpeting from the 1970s. And I pictured myself getting ready for company. And I was frantically, you know, trying to dust and clean and get all these things done. Because even though I'm a Martha, I'm not a super tidy housekeeper. And so (laughs) before company. Oh, I, I have to just say I hear you, sister. <laughs> and I think people are surprised by that because they would think, "Oh, a Martha would have a tidy house." But I'm I'm getting better. I've been tidying up lately, and it's actually been really freeing. But it's not my natural inclination. So, anyway, in this picture of my mind's eye, there I am trying to get ready for company, and then all of a sudden I turn around, and there, in a well-worn plaid lazy boy, is Jesus. Reading the newspaper of all things, and I turn around and I feel like he says to me, Katie, Katie, you can stop getting ready. You know, come sit, relax with me. And instantly, what I'm thinking about is verses like "Faith without works is dead," right? Like I need to be doing things. And I feel like you said, you know, there's gonna be time for that, but I'm not company to impress. I'm family to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I realized like Jesus lives in the home of my heart. It's like he's in that well-worn plaid lazy boy in the middle of the home of my heart because I believed in him by faith. And so I belong to him. We're family. He's not someone out there that I need to pretty myself up for, make sure, you know, everything is perfect and pristine. It's that yes, he's powerful, right? We want to revere him, but he's also personal. And he knew we would not measure up to perfection, right? And so he died on the cross for that perfect sacrifice for us. And so the real key for me is to receive that love for myself and to stop trying to dust and declutter Figuratively for him. And it was such a freeing feeling. And it was like the cobwebs in my mind of trying to always do this behavior management and image modification. Like it's like I could think clearly for the first time in a long time because such a weight had been lifted. And it was just this powerful moment. But I will Mm. tell you, after I realized that this grace is a gift to be received, not a prize to be earned, I didn't know what to do with myself. Because I had so worn myself out doing all these things, like I felt at a loss of like, well, what do I do now? Now that I (laughs) don't have to do all these spiritual gymnastics, you know, because he's already pleased with us in Christ. And so God kind of took me on this journey. And I still, you know, I'm kind of like a toddler with the grace thing. You know, sometimes I fall down and toddle around and don't Mm -hmm. quite have it figured out yet. But he reminds us that he's patient with us. You know, just like when a toddler's learning to walk, we don't expect them to do it perfectly the first time, right? We give them grace and we cheer them on. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, God isn't this tyrannical master. He is a good and kind father. And that just, it changed how I started hearing scripture um, because I kind of heard this just angry voice telling me to get in line or else, you know, prior to that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm pretty sure that we are twins separated at birth. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I so much of your story parallels my story. I was raised in the church, and I was raised in a grace-filled home and a grace-filled church. So I had no reason not to understand grace, but I had so internalized it as I, I've got to be good and I've got to do good. But the problem was that only led me to burnout, only led led me to exhaustion and emptiness. Because if you're making your goodness and your performance the goal, well, you're not ever going to fully measure up. There's going to be those bad days. And then all of a sudden, I'd go into a cycle of guilt and shame and bad me, bad me. And really that tyranny of the try hard life. Um, I, I love what you dis- what you said about being a toddler in this grace thing. You know, I think there's probably some women out there, some other Marthas, um, that maybe believed the lie that I used to believe that, well, yeah, grace is great. But I, yeah, yeah, that sounds a little bit scandalous. And it sounds a little bit like I could totally— give in to doing nothing, and then, you know, who knows where that would end. And so we're almost afraid to to really receive grace because we're afraid that maybe we won't do or become what we need to do. But for me, the opposite has been true. Um, rather than trying to earn His favor, living from a place of having already received it actually empowers me.
1: <laughs> it empowers me to do what he wants me to do. H- have you experienced that at all? Absolutely. And you know, I had the same kind of fears, like if I really get a hold of this grace thing, am I going to go off the deep end? You know, am I going to start, you know, being this bad girl right. and, you know, just doing whatever I feel like it and um it going back to our beloved orange shag carpeting in our house. You know, when people come over, you don't have to take your shoes off. Like it You cannot ruin this carpet. You know, we've lost a few Legos and Cheetos in it. You know, it's all good. But like when you go into a home with pristine carpeting, you know, you can feel kind of anxious, like, oh my goodness, you know, I've got to be on my best behavior and all this kind of thing. But just because we have the orange shag doesn't mean we should purposely try to destroy what God has given us, you know? And so it's that attitude or that mindset of when we know we have a good father, You don't want to go and malign his name. You want to honor him with what, you know, you're just so thankful Mm -hmm. for what he's given you and how much he loves you that then your works become a response to that love, not a means to try to get and keep that love. Because you already, when you understand that love is already being given, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we understand that, then. We don't necessarily wear ourselves out because we're then serving from this place of strength and peace. And of course, we're not going to do it perfectly every time, but there's grace for that too as we learn how to not strive and fret. And there's just a settledness in your soul, I think, when you kind of have this grace awakening that it is not all up to me to keep the world spinning. And that's why I lived so much of my life. It was like I had this heavy backpack that I lugged around, hunched over from all this in the name of being responsible. And being responsible is not a bad thing, but I think a lot of us who are Marthas add extra things that maybe God has never asked us to carry.
0: Mm. Oh, I so agree. Um, For me, it really, um, that works-based Christianity manifested itself like a dark cloud and uh, literally every morning I would wake up with just a cloud of impending doom. I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but um I was just kind of bracing myself for the blow. And it was after my grace awakening that I realized, "Oh my goodness, the the cloud has lifted." Now, that's not to say that there aren't those days where I fall back into that. Belief that it's all up to me and uh, I have to work hard and be good and do good. But boy, when I come back to that place of just acceptance, what a freeing thing. Like you say, to take off the backpack. Oh, there's some girls out there today. I, I just feel the Lord saying there's some girls out there today listening that need to know the good news, that need to let the that the dark corners of their soul be evangelized and it really is good news you know i think sometimes um we don't realize that good girls need a savior (laughs) they really need a savior we think we already have him but we need him we need him today
1: right now right where we're at right and i think that that can be so tricky because when you feel like you're good you know or you're relying on yourself your own know-how your own strength it's hard to realize how much you are desperately needing Jesus. You know, I remember one time I was, um, I kind of just got it, um, gotten started writing and I was becoming a workaholic at it because it was giving me life. But then again, it kind of crossed over to the dark side and I was staying up super late and getting up early and not being what my family needed me to be for them. And so I went to go pick up my oldest three kids from vacation Bible school and I just felt completely it's a weird way to describe it, but hollow on the inside, but like my body was lead. And so I remember climbing up these stairs to pick up the kids. And I leaned against the cement wall to hold myself up because I just had no energy. And I remember thinking, I surely hope no one talks to me because I just can't muster up, you know, (laughs) the smile. And then I went home and I was in bed all day. And it was just, it was complete exhaustion from just running myself into the ground.
0: Yeah. And I think that that definitely is a Martha tendency. We can almost become addicted to productivity. (laughs) You know, it's like, did that check? Did that? How do we manage that tension between this is our, you know, by nature, we're going to be productive women, but how do we, how did you manage that, that line of knowing when to let go of that and when to engage?
1: Well, I think there's three powerful words we can remember that we all are familiar with. But the first is yes, right? Martha's, I think, often say yes, right? That's our go-to. But what we want to say yes to are God's assignments. Mm -hmm. And I can look back over my life and think about, man, there are so many times I said yes to things just because I thought that's what a good girl should do but I'm not sure God was even asking me to do it. And I think that's the first thing is ask God, is this something you want me to do? Now, the trash still has to be taken out. So let's not go overboard, right? And say, I don't think God's telling me to do that. <laughs> but the second would be, we want to say no To guilt and manipulation. So if we're saying yes to God's assignments, we want to say no when we're just kind of heaping that, you know, productivity on or we're trying to strive. Um, we don't have to say yes to doing those things. And then the third, which is maybe the hardest for us is to say help because delegation can feel like it's weak, but it's actually wise. And I love Martha's. I'm a fan of Martha's. That's why I wrote a book for Martha. But one tendency we can have is that we kind of want it my way or the highway at times. And so as we say help and invite people to help us out, we want to make room for the way they would do it. Because, you know, for example, in my household, we have five children, and they each have days of the week that they do the dishes. My husband had instituted that when I started writing that he took the dishes off my plate, (laughs) unintended, and put it, you know, the kids have it. But they don't bless their hearts, but they don't do it how I wish they would all the time. But they're learning and they're growing. And if I just come in and take it over and do it for them, like it, that's not really a gift to them. And so we want to say help when we need it. And I think when we don't admit we need help, it kind of is this... um. Cyclical pattern that then people just put more on us, or they're like, Oh, you know, Katie's a strong person, she'll just figure it out. And I think a lot of us, Martha's, sometimes are lonely because we just want someone to say, Sometimes, how are you doing? Is there something I could help you with? Because we're often in that role ourselves. So I think being honest, like, I can't get all this done this week. Could you guys help me out? Or maybe there's some things we need to take off and not replace them with something else. But I also often say that um, productivity can be kryptonite, you know, for Martha's when we're thinking that that's where our worth comes from is how productive we are. Totally.
0: You know, I think there's some girls out there that are like, I would really like to be a Mary, but. The Martha is like our job description as women. <laughs> there are just so many responsibilities, um, that we have on our plate. For me, um, I've always said that I'm, um, definitely probably more of a Martha, but I want to be a Mary and, and, yet the Martha inside keeps bossing me around. But you and I were talking also that, you know, like you said, Jesus wasn't saying, stop being you, Martha. He was just inviting her to that same friendship that Mary is enjoying. Have you experienced that? And what does it look like in your life to be able to settle down, kind of in, you know, to pull up the chair next to the recliner that you described? How have you found time or made time to really have that friendship with God?
1: Well, full disclosure, it is really hard when you're a person that's constantly making lists and checking them twice. And so I have found one thing is when I sit down to have time with the Lord, I Think lots of thoughts come to my mind because I'm quieting myself, and so I found that if I just keep a piece of paper and I can jot all those things down that come to mind, then I can kind of put them out of my head, so I can focus on Jesus. And you know, I'll be spending time with Him. Something else will come to mind, so I go back to that list. But then I know that that list is there. I'm not going to forget it. But it helps me kind of declutter um, my mind so that I can. Um, focus on Christ and not be so distracted by those to do's. So
0: good. So good. I think one of the things that I had to do as well was let go of my expectations my Martha expectations of what that should even look like. You know, I think in the past, I almost set myself up to fail because I thought in order to have a quiet time or spend time with Jesus, you know, I needed to do an hour of Bible study, an hour of intercession, and then go door to door witnessing for another hour, you know, and I just, I made it so loaded with my own expectations that I almost set myself up to fail. What would you say to that Martha out there that's like, yeah, yeah, I know I should, but yeah, I, I don't have time, number one, or I don't know how. Do you have any suggestions for Martha's on slowing down? And-
1: well, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying because I used to think it needed to look that way too. And the reality is I'm a busy mom of five kids and a pastor's wife. And the reality for me to have even an hour of uninterrupted quiet time is pretty tricky. And so I think the thing to remember too, is that, you know, I think about the verse Christ in you, the hope of glory to remember that he's with you all throughout the day. And yes, while it's important to connect with him on a deeper Mm. level, like we can talk to him anytime. And I think too, I mean, I don't feel like my prayer life is very great, but sometimes it's just the, God, please help. You know, God, would you give me wisdom here? And he cares about those, you know, that communication Mm. too. But one thing that I like to do, since I like to multitask, one simple technique I use, like when I'm going to read the Bible is to just make a list of what I learn about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Just pick one of them. And as I'm reading, just kind of add to that list. And then what's cool is when you have that list, you can pray that back to God. You know, God, thank you that you're the creator. God, thank you that you're my healer. And so I kind of, tease, it's kind of a way to multitask or repurpose those things. So now it's like you're studying his word, you're drawing near to him, and then you can use that as a prayer. Because I know women are so busy, but we want to prioritize time of the Lord. I love the version app as well, you know, to read the verse of the day, and then maybe read a chapter from the Bible and try to do that before my mind revs up with everything that I need to get done. Because I found if I don't You know, you can have a quiet time anytime, but for me, once I get in production mode, it's hard for me to pull out of that. And so doing that at the beginning helps. And then I think, you know, relaxing can be really hard for type A women, but I have found we've tried our best on Sundays. You know, we go to church and then we come home and we try to rest and just read. And for me, having that boundary of, I'm not going to work today. Is something I desperately need, but it doesn't come easy to me, and so I've had to have accountability, you know, from my husband and, um, you know, on my calendar to kind of put those boundary lines in place.
0: That is so good. I love that you got such great, um, such great chapters. One of them says, "Sit down as you stand up, living settled, even when you're busy." And boy, I think. I think that that's an art form that we really don't know how to do. Um, I was doing a study; um, I think it was for for the Having a Mary Heart and a Martha World DVD study, and that verse where Jesus says, "All you are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I'll give you rest." And as I was studying out that word for rest, it it has the meaning inner tranquility in the midst of necessary labor. And I love that because I think we do compartmentalize God. We're like, okay, here's my God time, and then there's my life. But I'm trying to learn how to invite Him into the life and to acknowledge Him throughout the day. But I'd love to have you talk about that. How do we live settled in the midst of being so busy?
1: I think one thing, Joanna, is knowing who God is and who we are in light of Him for so long i lived with what i call the hired help mentality this idea that it's all up to me you know i could lose what i have other people's successes are a threat mm-hmm. to my you know position in christ and i kind of wonder if that's what martha was operating out of in luke 10 you know kind of like i've got to get done if i don't do it no one will and i believe the invitation god has for us is you are a beloved daughter and a beloved daughter knows that her position is secure in god's heart and i think it's that mental shift of knowing that who god is that he is capable of running the world without our help even much to our you know frustration and knowing like it really does lift that load when you recognize I am not the Savior. And for so long, I was living like that or trying to play the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. And that's exhausting and also sinful because my shoulders were not designed to carry that kind of load. But Jesus were. And I think when we get a grasp on that, it's his gift to us that it's not all up to us. And when we lean into trusting him, that he does care for us, that even when he doesn't do. Things like we think, you know, we would do them. That he is trustworthy, and that he's created us to be doers. That's not a bad thing, but it's not all up to us. And it's really a weight lifting realization.
0: Oh, so so weight lifting. I just.
1: I think, especially for those of us out
0: there that, you know, we really love Jesus with all our heart, and and He's given us gifts and callings, and we want to do something significant for Him. Um, I I think that that was my challenge. You know, we have something in common that we're both pastor's wives, uh, both Martha by nature, Um And I, I, as you were saying, you know, that we're not the Savior and that's really good news and how freeing that can be. I I was just wondering, one of the kind of the sub themes of this podcast is living, loving and leading like Jesus. And just bringing this whole Martha thing into ministry as a pastor's wife, how have you seen the Martha show up and um, how are you managing
1: that? Oh, I am in a learning season. Let me tell you, my husband became the lead pastor of our church this January. And I am relearning some lessons that God has laid out for me before, because I tend to like to overstep my bounds a little bit, because I have very strong, you know, opinions or ideas, and I don't always see the whole picture. And so, um, you know, I think God has given us a lot of territory in our lives, right? To steward and to manage. And so I'm learning, okay, what are the things that are my responsibility? And what are the things that are not my responsibility? And allowing, again, like we're talking about other people to step into some of those roles. Because when we take on more than God has asked us to, it's really it's it could be robbing someone else of an opportunity, but it's also kind of elevating ourselves. My sister in law was telling me, you know, remind me of that verse, you know, don't um, think more highly of yourself than you should. My paraphrase, and she said, sometimes when we take on those extra things, we're actually thinking of ourselves more highly than we should that we can handle it. And so I am learning, um, maybe not as gracefully as I would like. Of okay, what are the things mm. in this new role that I am supposed to do, and what are those things I'm not supposed to do, and what are those things that I can work with others to do? And I think it's a challenge for each of us, you know. And one thing my husband was reminding me the other day, because I can get so hard on myself when I mess up or I say the wrong thing. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and I kind of gossiped, and so then I just felt like, oh, I shouldn't even be a pastor's wife, you know. And, and he just reminded me, Katie we all make mistakes. you know. humble yourself (laughs) and apologize and, you know, dust yourself off and keep going. You know, whereas my tendency can be like, oh, I messed up. So I I just can't do any of it right. You know, which is not true.
0: Oh, totally. And I think that's maybe one of the, my favorite parts about the story of Martha. Um, You know, if we only look at chapter 10 of Luke, uh, we really miss a lot. Um, I think a lot of times we go, oh, yeah, God doesn't like Martha's and He loves Mary's and good for you. And so as Martha's, we can even feel like second class citizens. But oh, my goodness, as I begin to study out the rest of the story found in John chapter 11 and 12, I saw a woman who I believe received the rebuke of the Lord and changed and and I think that that's what's so beautiful, that it was Martha, the woman who was so busy and distracted by all the things that had to be made, mm. she was the one who, at the death of Lazarus, ran down the road to meet Jesus. And when she met him, she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But then she goes on without a pause to say, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And in a sense, she was saying, okay, God, I'm not going to tell you what to do like I did in Luke 10. (laughs) Here's the quill of my will. You write the end of the story. This is a woman who's transformed. And yet in John chapter 12, at the very last time we see them, it's at a, a dinner given in Jesus's honor. And it says, Martha was serving. So it's not our gifting. It's not our personality type that he's saying, stop being you. He's just saying, come, come on. Let's, let's have friendship. And I, that has really changed ministry for me because I think, I think I used to think that it was again. Oh my goodness. We're so much alike. All up to me, which meant that I had to be everybody's surrogate messiah. (laughs) I had to have the answers for everyone and everything. And it is so freeing to realize, "Mm, no, no, Um, Jesus is what you need, not Joanna. And that can be a little hard for us Marthas, because we have so many good ideas and we have a lot of wisdom. And boy, if people would just do what we told them to do, they'd be better off. <laughs> but being willing to make room for the Lord and point people to Jesus is, is so freeing. Um, I, I just love this book. You guys, there is, um, a Bible study in the back, five, five sessions of Bible study that actually takes you deeper into the Word of God, uh, little exercises at the end of each chapter. I want you to hear the title again, Made Like Martha, Good News for the Woman Who Gets Things Done. And maybe you felt like uh, I should be less me. I I do think, I don't know about you, Katie, but that has been um, part of my struggle is feeling at in my personality type that maybe i'm just too much that I, that i should be a quiet and gentle you know woman rather than this kind of loud and very opinionated woman that i
1: am <laughs> you know i someone said only twice in my life has anyone called me quiet and gentle. And I think it's because they didn't know me well enough because I laughed so hard. And I was like, that's just not, you know, really who I am. But I loved what you said. And I think it's such an encouragement of as we point people to Jesus, it is very freeing indeed. And it keeps our faith in proper perspective of to know like we have limitations and, um, And I love also how we are not too much for God. He is not rolling his eyes at us. You know, he might be smiling, you know, um, at some of the shenanigans we find ourselves in, but that we're never too much for him. And that's just such good news.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I do want to just piggyback on something you said that, you know, sometimes when we do mess up as Martha is, we can almost grieve ourselves into paralysis. Um, and, you know, you think about Luke chapter 10 and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. You know, as Marthas, we can receive that rebuke and, you know, either get really upset and go, well, thanks a lot. Get out of my house, dude. You know, forget dinner. You're out of here. You know, or she could have gone back to the kitchen and just sobbed in despair and self-hatred. But instead, I really believe that she didn't receive God's correction as rejection. And I think that's hard for us as Marthas.
1: Right. Well, and I think when you, you brought it up earlier, it was an invitation to more. You know, I was looking at when it says Mary chose the good part. One of the definitions of part is like your share of the inheritance. Mm. And I just love that, of that Jesus was inviting Martha to her share um, of the inheritance. And so it wasn't this, um, you know, spiritual timeout. It was this invitation, not condemnation.
0: You know, you talk about hired help mentality, and I've thought of that, you know, that too often we live from a slave girl, you know, mentality rather than that daughter. Um, and and so I, I would just love to have you, if you wouldn't mind, as we close, Katie, would you pray for that girl out there that really doesn't know that God cares about her? I think that that's one of the significant things that the first words— out of Martha's heart, mouth were lord don't you care uh, would you pray for her and just um, and then and then again just that we don't have to stop being us but that we can be even more more than what we currently are more than our identity as a girl who gets things done that we're a girl who belongs to jesus
1: i would love to well dear lord we just thank you that you know what you're doing. When you wove each of us in the womb, you knew that we would um, maybe be a little more like Martha or Mary, but you love both. You love both types. And some of us have both types within us, God. But for the one that identifies more with Martha and is feeling like they're either too much or that they're getting it wrong or that they're just worn out from trying so hard, would you encourage her heart? Would you remind her that you have designed her to be a doer, but that she doesn't have to wear herself out to be worthy? Your love, your grace are enough for for her highs and for her lows, and that you don't love her more or less based on her behavior. You have proven your love for her on the cross, your uninhibited love for her. I just pray for each one listening that you would just speak a kind word um, and that they would speak kindly to themselves, Lord. That whether they feel more like Martha or Mary, that they would know that they are, if they have believed in you by faith that you died on the cross for their sins and rose again, that they are your daughters and nothing can snatch them out of your hand, that their position is secure, and that there are good works for them to do, but those works should be a response to how much you love her, not a way to try to get the love that you've already freely given thank you, God, that you are a good father, not a tyrannical master. Would you help us move from a hired help mentality to the reality and mindset of a beloved daughter by the strength and wisdom that you provide in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. So, so beautiful, Katie. Um, How can our listeners find more about your book and about you and all of the resources you have?
1: Well, if they go to Katie, m read r e i d and i always say it's m as in martha it really isn't but we'll go with that so com, and then also if they go to made like martha.com they can learn more about the book and there's also chapter one for free over there so they can get a taste um, of the book and then it will show um, where they could purchase it as well and then i'm also on facebook at reed, and then on instagram at katie underscore M underscore read. And I would love to connect. I love it. I love it.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Joanna. Thanks for paving the way.
0: So how are you feeling about being a Martha now? (laughs) I hope you understand how dearly loved you are by God. No matter your personality type, God has made you just the way you are. And he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So I hope you'll join me next time as I share some tips on cultivating intimacy with God in the busyness of life. Now, it's it's not what you're expecting. Uh, during this episode, I'm not going to talk about how to read your Bible and how to spend more time in prayer, although we will have episodes about that upcoming. No, instead, I want to just kind of share— some a really wonderful place to begin, and that's just inviting God to do life with us. And so um, I hope you'll tune in. And here's the big announcement. Yes, indeed, we are having another contest. Over at my Facebook page, you can search for Joanna Weaver Books and enter to win possibly a copy of katie's book made like martha and my own having a merry heart in a martha world but be sure to do it right away the contest ends august 13th 2019 well listen girls until next time i think of you so often i pray for you i'm asking god that he would just reveal himself to you in powerful mighty life-changing ways listen it isn't what you do for him sweet martha (laughs) it's not even how completely you worship sweet mary It's the fact that he has put his favor on you and he's called you his own. So I hope you'll keep living and loving and leading like Jesus out of a sweet intimacy that's found in just cultivating a friendship with him. God bless you. See you next time.